0: Thank you one and all for tuning in to the Pause, Run, Play podcast. My name is Casey, and I am one of your hosts tonight. Um, hyped to have Josh and Vince here, even though this I'm is... I'm hyped to have you <laughs> back.
1: Let's go. Let me try that
0: again. I'm hyped to have you back. It feels like it's been so long. It's been a day in an age. I moved away... But I'm going to be back more frequently and getting into things. Just had to – settling into a new home is the absolute pits. I just have to say that. There's so much to do. Well, especially because yeah. we went from a smaller place to a larger place, but we had stored things away that we weren't using. And then we're like, oh, let's pull them out. And we're like, why did we do this? So <laughs> that's kind of where we're at right now. It's been great. Uh, baby's doing well. Life is good. Glad to be back. Thank you for letting me come back to the podcast. I mean, it's your podcast. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like but I the mean, host. I mean, what's going
1: on here? We got four mics and four like mics, three
0: people? Yeah, that's kind of crazy. We actually saw this guy. He was kind of wandering through the local neighborhood, and we picked him up on the side of the road. So what's up and welcome, Spider-Man!
1: Spider-Man,
2: Ooh. Spider-Man. Does, does whatever spider can. <laughs> oh,
1: hello, hello. So we got the star, one of the stars of the movie we'll be talking about today. This is the Andrew Garfield, right?
0: Uh, Yeah, it is Andrew Garfield. I love it. It's so So this is Andrew
2: Garfield.
0: Yeah, (laughs) we got Andrew Garfield on the show tonight. He makes chairs for his girlfriends. He's one of the most expressive, amazing Spider-Mans there are in the whole entire Spider-Man canon and universe. And we also got Max Tell. Just a shout out to yeah, Mac because he's, yeah, he's here with too. us always. But uh,
2: Just so you know, you're setting a precedent, though. Like, anytime you come on the podcast now, I'm going to expect a full question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no
0: matter do the best. movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, actually, this is not some random fellow. This is... Josh's brother, Scott! Yes, Welcome we've been
1: meaning Scott. to have, have Scott on the podcast for a while. We've always talked about just, it. But he's here. Scott is here. The first, with the spider Spider-Man.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, they said the mustache didn't work, but yeah. What do they know? Sorry. What do they
0: know? No mustaches. So this is Scott. This is your first podcast. This is. Yeah. What the hell? I'm like, sorry to say that in that way. But how have we went this long without getting your brother on the podcast?
1: I don't know. I mean, he's been here the whole time, but
0: <laughs> it's all it's all good. We, we have him now, actually. So just really quick recap. Um, I'm married to Josh's sister, so this also is uh, my brother-in-law. And Scott is, like, one of the pinnacle people when I think about, like, kind of, like, fantasy realms involving, like, space and, like, Magic the Gathering and kind of just know-how within the Marvel Cinematic Universe as well. Like, Scott knows things, so I'm hyped to have you here. I'm I'm really excited to be here.
1: Wait, what were
2: you going to say, Vince? I I don't know why you haven't been here before. I need people to nerd out with, and these guys aren't up
3: to the t- the, t- the task. <laughs> I, I, I've been on. I've been watching a lot of the l- most recent episodes, and I'm just like, man, I have a lot to say. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> this is your chance, man. Well, maybe we'll have to porn. make it more of a thing. You come on, like you're off school for the summer, right? Uh, for the summer, yeah. Yeah, so maybe for the summer we pop you on a few more episodes while we have mm-hmm. you. Absolutely, I'll do it. Just to kind of get things rolling for tonight, uh, really quick recap one thing you've been watching recently. Let's go with Josh first.
1: It's mostly been across the Spider Verse. I am rewatching a few episodes of Black Mirror here and there just to get ready for the new season, which as we're recording this will drop on Thursday. Super oh, excited. Hey, I know, right? Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, obviously, the movie we're talking about today mostly, but then I watched Escape Room. 2019's escape room about people who are put in a real life or death escape room and what goes on with it and everything and it was mid uh, want, want. <laughs> like it was fine mid like it's an escape room thing and like it, it was better than I thought it was gonna be it was just one night where I was like I wanna watch something mindless but kinda cool I don't know and it popped up and I was like I know this isn't gonna be great but I'm gonna put it on I gave it like 3 stars on Letterboxd which isn't bad is you it know? a horror or more of a it's like a thriller yeah, more so like they they incorporate some horror elements into it, but just do it, Scott. Here's the
3: thing:
0: just getting, this open, getting this open, getting this <laughs> open with in, the latex in the suit, not a good sign. <laughs> Spider so. Spider Man usually is soda free; he only goes by bottles. So
1: that and New Girl, you know, getting my fill <laughs> get of, right of Jake Johnson.
0: So
2: I saw the Flash. I got. Tickets sorry, to sorry. a pre-screening. <laughs> I already I already like know what you're yeah. kind of going to say. I kind of looked at you like, like what? Yeah, because it hasn't come out as of this recording. They're doing a lot of pre-screenings all over the place. And I follow this comic book shop down the street on Facebook. And randomly, I just signed in. And they were like, do you want to go to a free screening? Sign up here. And so I did it and showed up. Really good experience. Um, I thought I wasn't going to get into the theater at first because it was like a first come, first serve. They overbooked it. It was, a, it was a pre-screening for press, and they wanted to fill the whole theater up because they didn't just want like two people in there or whatever, you know. So <clears throat> I showed up late, later than I wanted to. Didn't know if I was going to get into the theater or not. They ended up uh, having one seat in the nice like fancy luxury chairs, so I got a legit seat. Holy it was crap. great. Situation was all good. Guys... It's a pretty mid movie.
3: (laughs) I was about to be like, "This was not what you told me." The way you said that, guys, set that up so perfectly. It was a great thing. But can you give us,
0: can you give us like spoiler-free reasons why it's pretty mid?
2: So I'm to start off with not a big Ezra Miller fan. Okay, so. I, it's kind of the same issue I had with the new Fast and Furious movie where it had too much of the main character in it for me. <laughs> I, like Vin Diesel. I didn't love Vin Diesel in the new Fast X movie. There was too much of him. I kind of felt the same way about this one. I don't really, I'm not a big fan of Ezra Miller. There was high expectations going in the way that they're marketing it, and I think it. I think it's 100% just to get people to go into it because it's not bad. It's it's actually a probably one of the better DC movies, but it, that's not saying a lot, you know what I mean? Um, banks very heavily on nostalgia with the Michael Keaton thing, which, again, I'm not, like, the super fan of Michael Keaton, so that was kind of like a, yeah, whatever, this the is The reveal fine. happens,
1: and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah,
2: like, and it's, it's so marketed towards him that it's not really a reveal to begin with. You're kind of watching the whole movie, just kind of waiting for him to show up, you know? Mm-hmm. And then it all kind of <sighs> devolves into the third act, CGI punch him up I just, just they, like every other superhero movie
1: does. They you know? keep releasing so many clips on Twitter from what I assume is that third act battle where there's mm. kind of like in a desert or something like that and it just seems so lifeless. It is. It, that's exactly
2: what I thought. It was It was just this empty desert and I'm just like this isn't really visually interesting at all. It's just a big CGI empty desert and it's. I feel like it's still so reactionary so after the Man of Steel came out and everybody freaked out about the amount of people that would have died in Man of Steel and I feel like DC and everyone is still kind of like scared to do anything because of the backlash half of that which is just kind of sad to me so they fight in a desert (laughs) yeah and it's just it doesn't it's pulling from one of the best like you know where it all started and so it's like a callback to this big thing that you love and it's just not quite done as well Mm -hmm. you know what I mean Um, it was good it was fine Uh, I like there's a lot of heart to it which is really nice there is a lot of character focus for the Flash himself which I really liked but the overdependence on not great special effects just doesn't do it for me anymore. I just feel like most of these superhero movies I've kind of seen already. And I've seen Flashpoint, the cartoon. I haven't read the novel, but I honestly would just kind of rather watch the cartoon over again than see this one again. <laughs> I don't know, check it out. I'd love to have a, a broader discussion about the multiverse with you guys, especially after watching this one and then... The Flash is all about the multiverse too. And Marvel is like really deep into the multiverse right now. So eventually we need to have like a, what do we actually want from the multiverse? And is the multiverse delivering conversation?
1: If there's a
0: bagel. I'm just mostly yeah. feeling <laughs> like it's the multiverse of sadness. These days, <laughs> to be honest with you. Like, that's how I feel. That's a good one, <laughs> I, don't, so. I don't know what to say. That's how I feel about it. It's just kind of like
2: yeah um, another and maybe movie. this is a conversation that we'll get into with across the spider-verse because yeah. of how well they did the multiverse in this one i would um, yeah so we'll see how this conversation goes and if not then maybe when after the flash comes out and we've all seen it we can kind of compare and contra- contrast like who's doing it good who's kind of just doing multiverse for nostalgia's sake to bit butts in theaters and who's actually like using the multiverse in an interesting way instead of a a marketing way, yeah, if Stenman that makes excuse. sense. Yeah, exactly. Because we- that's what I felt like Keaton was in this. It wasn't any, they could have used any multiverse Batman, but they needed someone to put butts in seats. So they're like, we have to have Michael Keaton coming because Sh- no one's going to show up if Sh- we don't.
0: We should have got a nipple suit Batman. That would be <laughs> something. Was that, was that Clooney? <laughs> it's Clooney's Clooney? Batman. I think Kilmer might have had.
2: Me- no, was it just, no, you're right.
0: Uh, I don't remember. I think it was he was Did. He- yeah. Sorry. I'm just kind of like that was always funny to me was the nipple suit Batman. I don't know. Um really quickly though, uh Scott, what have you been watching lately? Scott, you can say whatever you want,
1: yeah. but I would love to hear cuz originally we talked about having you on to talk about the D&D movie and I know that you oh. saw that. If you can talk about whatever you want, but if you want to No, that that, I would that love is that. true.
3: I mean, that is most of the content that I've been watching recently is D&D content. It's because, you know, the D&D movie that just came out, you know, a while back, I just watched it with dad and with Mikey. Um, and so we just watched that, you know, just the other day. And I've also have literally just been watching um, uh, one of the d like actual plays. Uh, they just, I think their, their last episode of their current season comes out, you know, on Tuesday or something. Was like that, that what
0: you posted on Be Real the other night? Yeah. No, that, okay. was,
3: that was what I was watching on, on Be Real. Cool, 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 yeah. cool. Because it cause that campaign is it's essentially Game of Thrones meets Candyland. Uh, <laughs> I love, and they're they're doing a they're doing a prequel series of it because they'd already done their main campaign at, of that one, but they're doing a prequel series that is being DM'd by Critical Role's Matt Mercer, and so they brought in this huge guy to you know do this, and so it's it's been that one's been really good, but the the D and D movie was fantastic when it comes to. Like Dungeons and Dragons and just kind of like that world and both the comedy of it as well as just like representing like, you know, all of the different, you know, D&D classes and, you know, c- kind of characters. Like and the things. actual lore behind everything. Yeah, a lot of the lore and different things. And just that you could see like, you know, that uh, th- some people were thinking that they were going to take it in a comedic route where it was like, oh, yeah, it's a bunch of people playing around a table and like take that little meta aspect of it. But that it was actual just lore and stuff in the universe, but you could still kind of see that aspect around. Oh, this is a bard that is being played, you know, in this specific way that you could see how it was, but that it was just that intense aspect of the story still. Because
2: did they announce the sequel?
3: Uh, not that I know of. I I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that they're not gonna do it, but I don't think there's anything official.
0: Okay. What uh, been watching quick. Really quickly, what I've been watching is a whole lot of RuPaul's Drag Race, to be honest yeah. with you. I've been seeing it on alleys, be reels and everywhere. Yeah, we've been watching a lot of RuPaul's Drag Race. It's Pride Month when we're recording this, and so my wife, being the queer person she is, she's like, let's watch uh, RuPaul's. So I've been watching a lot of that, um, which now goes into a story um, about my time in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and so we were out, we had dinner at this place, and we walked down the street, and we weren't kind of finished, ready to go back yet. And we stumbled into a drag bar, and we watched a local drag show in Edmonton, Canada. And I was like, wow. So that's my history with drag, for one. I've never been to a drag show before that. Dude, it's getting real popular up in Salt Lake. It's an entertainment thing, right? It's just go have fun, enjoy yourself. Maybe learn something new about people different than you. But, like, the entertainment value... I hear the
2: food is really good, too.
0: I've not been to a drag brunch. I've only been to a drag bar at night. So (laughs) this might be different things. But what I understand is, like... I learned something new every time, and like through RuPaul's Drag Race, I've also learned mm-hmm. a lot about kind of queer culture that I didn't understand, It which is really cool. And then finally, the last thing I've been watching is still the guy building the cabin in the Italian Alps. Yes, he's he, still
2: building the cabin. Or well, he's finished? still
0: fixing it. He's still fixing it up. What he's been doing is he dug around the side of the cabin and is insulating the sides so oh, the water cool. can't run into it. Very cool stuff. Like very exciting, especially like as my wife and I. Are kind of redoing and rebuilding kind of the space that we've been working we're living in now It's kind of like holy cow I understand how to do this a little bit because what this guy did so it's kind of fun um, but Yeah, that's what I've been watching nothing too crazy. I did however Restart battle angel alita again because of rumors of the you know, the next the sequel coming out and uh How badly I want to exist So i've still thought about just turning it on and just watching it like 400 times to make sure they know someone out there wants to watch it (laughs)
1: Casey's just making sure they know. People are they still watching it, it today. It's just
0: like the World of Warcraft movie. I want a sequel to that. And everyone else is like, no. And I'm like, freak, if it's made for the Chinese market, I'll go to that market and go watch it. Like, I don't even care.
2: They got they got Transformers for that now.
0: No, no more Transformers. <laughs> no. It, it's
1: killing it in the theater. It's killing it in the, <sighs> it in the box office. At yeah, least. Yeah, yeah. It overtook. Well, I mean, box, box office. It overtook across Spider-Verse in the second weekend. I mean, like, and Spider-Verse made more the first weekend than Transformers did, but I thought that Spider-Verse would still be above it this weekend, but it wasn't. And I was originally, because I went and saw Spider-Verse again a second time, I wanted to see it in IMAX again. They pulled all the IMAX for Transformers. I was like, dang. And it's actually, Transformers is actually getting decent
2: Word of mouth, like not great, but it's everyone's like, like, this isn't as bad
0: as the other one. <laughs> not ones. as so, bad as well, the most the, recent. The last was. one was like Swords and Knights, right? Was the one before this I one? I don't
2: know. We like
0: we, they just destroyed the franchise, in my opinion. Right? In my opinion, is but not. then
1: they had Bumblebee to bounce back. Okay, you know? Bumblebee was oh, fine. okay. Didn't we do Bumblebee on the podcast? We did. I want to feel.
0: I think we I think did think do we a did. Bumblebee. Episode.
1: If not, I know we at least saw it. At least yeah. talk about it. It's one of the last ones. So. <sighs> Anyways.
0: Well, sorry, guys. I have a time crunch, so I'm actually going to be bailing here in a second. But I want to hurry and do the spoiler-free review with you guys, if that's okay. Definitely. Got to go be a dad, but I wanted to be here for this part of it. So, first off, as we all know, we're talking about... Across the Spider-Verse. Sorry, I was going to no. butcher it and be like, into the multiverse, which is wrong. <laughs> uh, but we're talking about this, which is a beautiful animated film. The original film was released, I believe, in 20- 18, yeah, 2018. 18. And it really, it was good, but it wasn't quite as big of a hit, if I remember right, until it went into streaming. Is that correct?
1: It was kind of just like a slower, took. it kind of took its time to get word of mouth to people. Okay. Like it released and people were like, wow, this is really good. And it kind of just like, people had to tell their people like, dude, this movie is actually really good. You need to go see it. And so it it did definitely keep hitting its it stride when it hit streaming. But it was kind of like, it wasn't like slow at first, but it definitely wasn't like this. I think I saw a stat that said that the opening weekend of Across the Spider-Verse versus the original one was something like triple or quadruple. Yeah. Wow. Like, wow.
0: It was pretty low though. If I'm, I i don't know. But essentially, it made lots more. But I didn't watch it actually until we were home during the pandemic, if I remember right. And so that was the first time I saw it and I hadn't even really thought about it much if I remember right. So, and coming into this one, I was really excited for kind of like the same kind of feeling about it. It's kind of where I'm at. is kind of like the overall aesthetic experiences. You kind of go into it and kind of all of the animation styles. And that was what really was like when we were like, let's do this. And I was like, okay, I can do this one because of that.
2: Um, so we talked a lot about, I nerded out a lot. On the last episode about how beautiful the Gwen Stacy comics were. Now, do you guys understand what I was oh, talking about? Oh my gosh! Like, okay. So first off, we're we're doing non-spoiler. We're doing spoiler free. Right? Right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I love this movie. I'll preface that with that. Like, this is no. This is not a new take. I have not talked to anybody or listened to anything who, who have not said this movie is amazing. It's amazing. It's a great, beautiful movie. But man, I love the way that they have the different art styles in this movie. How they jump around to depending on the character, you know, uh, and just like you get sucked into their world and the Gwen Stacy art style is just exactly the aesthetic that I that I like crave every one of the scenes with her is just like a work of art it's just it's beautiful it's watercolor and it's amazing and I love it and this movie is just incredible the
1: art style I feel like this one had so much more I agree with you said that I love this movie and I think it's incredible and I feel like they just had so much more creative freedom because the first one really did something so new and you knew that they really had to give the people so much artistic liberty to be able to do that first one. But I feel like then they saw what happened with the first one, what people loved about it, and they said, take that to the next level. And I feel like they did because before you kind of saw, you got quick little stories of the Spider-Man where you got to see them in their Spider-Verse and the noir universe or the anime universe and stuff like that. And then just them coming into... Miles's world right in the first one Whereas in this one So many different times we got to actually go Into the universe so it wasn't just The character being animated a certain way It was everyone else being In this spider person's world right In Mumbai, how is it you say Mumb- M- Mumbai, Sorry <laughs> like that one Or Gwen Stacy's world which we'll talk about more Later but is my personal favorite as far As the art style goes and so there's just so much More creative freedom I feel like like, it's so hard to, like, pick a favorite between, like, the two movies, and I'm not going to necessarily do that, but it's just that if you love the first one, you'll love the second one, and there's so much that went into it artistically, voice acting, story-wise. Like, like, there's, I feel like there's so much that there is going for this movie that, like, even the smallest, tiniest critiques are just like, I don't
0: care about them. I like this movie. I thought it was good. Truthfully, I did not see the whole thing, so that's why I'm only doing the free part with Sleepy? you. Sleepy? Uh Yeah, I, I don't know if how tired I look right now, but yeah, like, baby calls, and that's just kind of how it's been, and so we've had to do a lot of things. But from what I saw of it and what I enjoyed about Wait, did you fall asleep during it then, or what? I had to leave. Yeah, so left in the middle of it. Yeah. Okay. But, um, yeah, being a dad sometimes <laughs> can be challenging. That's all I have to say. But what I enjoyed about it really quickly is— it just takes you. And it was fun to be in an animated film that, like, I was invested in enough that I wanted to see again and that I'm, like, excited to go finish, right? Cause I don't know if you've been in those films where if you have to turn it off or whatever and you don't get back to it, like, I just want to go watch it now. Like, that's my, that's kind of my thing. So that was for me. I really enjoyed the animation style of, can I give a couple of them? Like, Gwen Stacy's one was really cool. I like the colorways. I also really liked, um, There was kind of like some old school comic type that kind of pops in there for a minute, which I think is really rad. And then on top of that, also just the general Miles Morales vibe of kind of the artwork. They kind of kept the same thing, but they made it a little bit better, in my opinion. But I don't know, maybe not everyone feels that way. and who knows? I think everyone feels that way. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, Scott, I'm going to dip out and I apologize for your section. I just have kind of a time thing. But guys, thank you so much for letting me jump back in with you on a short time. Um, I will be back again. Everyone, love you.
3: Okay, um, I mean, we've talked a lot about, like, the art style, and I think a lot of the different arts, you know, the different art styles and things that we had was also, was incredible, but my kind of, like, day-to-day, I use music a ton. I, the soundtrack for this movie was incredible. I just, the the different themes that we had, you know, the different, you know, every individual character a lot of the time had their own specific theme. There's a lot of times where, like, you see multiple characters together where the, you know, music gets to blend in those themes, you know, blends in, but then also their art styles as well. And we get to see just, you know, how these different universes are interacting and different stuff like that all across, you know, the entire kind of show. But just, you know, being able to hear that, you know, musically while also seeing it visually was just something that I, like really kind of, mm. you know, blew me away. I mean, at the very, very end, not going to say it, but just that was one of my favorite scenes was that end sequence Kind of just that blending and everything and like that. Like yeah, they no. use it very efficiently, but there I don't think there was any needle
2: drop in here that stood out to me as much as really? like as like the Biggie one that did in the first one.
1: Was, well, because here's the thing, all right. Obviously, like the first one is very big and very like recognizable with sunflower and and everything that happens in it. And I had another friend, so Cade, who was on our end of the Spider Verse episode, he also mentioned that he felt like the soundtrack and. Uh, the score and the soundtrack with the song specifically weren't as strong in this one the and
2: score i think
1: was re- like
2: especially
1: yeah. strong the score for me was stronger than the needle drops in this one
2: in in across
1: i think i might be the opposite. only one then who feels the opposite because i did love the first i feel like they're both really strong like it's kind of like picking your favorite child it's not really like like a, 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 there's not really one that's super strong over right. the other ones but metro boom they, they collabed with a ton of different artists on a few different songs for this one and i felt like there were just a few different moments because maybe they weren't as strong but it was the it was like almost a mix between score and like a needle drop song the moment this is in the trailer so it's not spoiler, but the moment where you have miles and gwen and they're upside down in the mm-hmm. bell tower or the bank building right that moment where you have metro Boomin. and just moments like that, I felt like there were more of them. And I felt like there were throughout the movie. And I just, I kind of dig that like low, that lo fi yeah. vibe right. a little more. So maybe that's why I kind of liked it a little bit more in this one, the songs that came out. But that might just be kind of me. All right, let's spoil Kay. this thing. Spoilers. Okay, well, uh, if we're doing spoilers right Spoiler away, <laughs> let's talk about the end for a couple of different reasons. One, plot twist and setting up the third one.
2: <laughs> Going on, right.
1: But two, Talking about what Scott went, mentioned, which I hadn't noticed until I was watching a YouTube video with mm-hmm. you before we came over here, actually, about that music that's building up at the end and everything is Gwen. It's There's more to it, but it's Gwen Stacy's drum solo and song from the beginning, and I hadn't gotten it. And what this YouTube video also pointed out and mentioned that I hadn't noticed on either of my watches is her speech that she gives at the end that she's... Or, the the speech that she gives at the beginning with the drum solo and everything you don't realize it when you're first watching it but that is actually her pitch that she's giving to the other Spider people as she's going around recruiting them because if you oh. listen to the lines of it She's basically it shows and she kind of talks about vaguely but like things that happen throughout the movie But if you go back and you listen to the lyrics and we watch the YouTube video and I was like, whoa What the it's what she says is talking and recruiting what she would say in like a recruitment speech to these other spider People because I did she notice was like, she was talking
2: she was saying things. Yeah, exactly like like speaking in like we and you or whatever mm-hmm. like it wasn't
1: to a specific person or something well, That's and speaking. it's also a uh, it's a really good parallel to the first one where, you know, you get Miles Morales and like, oh, we're going to do things differently. And she's like, all right, let's do things differently this time. And then she speaks from a third person telling the Miles Morales story. Mm -hmm. That's also part of it. And so it's like, it parallels the first one, but in the third person way. And then also later on finding out that's what she was using when she was going to talk to the other spider.
2: So what a perfect way... To suck me into a movie than to drop me into the Gwen Stacy world right from the beginning. Like I said, right right from the get go. Oh, like I love Gwen. Like I said my favorite. I love Spider Gwen. I love her world. I did not expect the first what fifteen minutes to be all about her and her backstory and actually see it all play no out. Oh, I did. Yeah, like. I've, I've listened to a couple of things and some people were kind of like, oh, I kind of just wanted to get into Miles' Mal- Miles's story. Like, Who? get back to my boy or whatever. And I'm like, no. We'll get to him, man. <laughs> I was like, there could not let have been a be better here. way to start this movie. Like, drop me into Gwen's world. Let me see this beautiful art style. Let me spend time with one of my... F- favorite spider characters that has been created and then mix in this multiverse vulture, which I didn't expect at all, like to already start to incorporate this vulture and make him such a unique version of the vulture with that parchment style and that old, like what is, what is that? like, like Van, Van, Van Gogh Go, like, style uh, weaponry. Yeah. <clears throat> like I loved it. I loved Go. how they, they have her kind of be like you said, the, the book, not only the bookend, but the, the, the intro and the bookend to the story. Where it, this is still Miles' story, but it, the last one very much was so focused on him, and everyone was kind of like side characters within his story. And this one just did such a good job of like, like we said, expanding the world, expanding the characters, and making this more than just a Miles Morales story. Making this more of a, it's a Gwen story, and it's a Miguel O'Hara story. And you know, the only thing that I felt like was missing, I. No, I can't even say I felt like it was missing. I didn't realize it was missing until he showed up, was Peter B Parker showing up halfway through the movie. You're like, yeah. Yeah, I I it was so good and the movie was just like so enthralling with all these characters that I forgot he was missing through halfway through the movie until you hear his voice. I'm like,
1: I forgot Word? he was going to be in this. Yes. <laughs> we <laughs> have not even gotten there yet. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: so um, I guess that's my first question for you guys is like uh did you have a favorite Spidey and and uh how did you like the way that they were used like is there one specific that stood out to you guys and not only like the spider-man himself but also their animation style and the music they used for him and all that kind of stuff did you have one yeah i mean i'll
1: i'll don't take mine i love hobie
2: (laughs) dang it that's mine
3: (laughs) hobie hobie (laughs) brown kaluuya
1: by the way yeah fun surprise there too
3: but just having that if if i remember correctly that the art style of hobie brown was one of the longest parts that they were doing. Like, when when they were animating specifically his character, it took a lot longer than a lot of the other ones, if I remember correct. He's basically 2D,
1: and he switches. And a lot of people talk about online, there's like all these things, oh, he switches because he's non-conforming, and there's different things like that. And he switches, and I can't remember exactly why at this moment, but I also remember that it was super cool, he switches between color and black and white at different Mm -hmm. times because of, Something there, that goes along with the yeah, story. There's,
3: it's, there's some different like m- metaphors and different things. But just because when he first comes in, it's kind of the vibe of like a lot of people have kind of been talking about like when he first comes in, it's like, mm, are we supposed to like this guy? Spider-punk. Because yeah, he, I mean, he Gwen's
2: boyfriend. You're right. Yeah, He lives. comes <laughs> in and it's like,
3: oh, this is the dude that Gwen's been like, you know, maybe. Hey, don't you know, even baby. <laughs> her <laughs> clothes and his toothbrush tooth was is, this, at his place. This is a big debate <laughs> online. But um. Whether or not they were dating. Whether or not, you know, they they were dating or anything like that. But you know, he comes in and we're like, okay, are we supposed to like this guy? You know, he's he's kind of like this super arrogant kind of thing. But then as the story kind of progresses, it's like that's the only dude who stood with Miles and was like okay. trying to help him that whole time. And you know, he's hyping Miles up, you know, right after the you know, right after the fight in, in Mumbatan you know, he's like, Oh Miles, my guy, you know, yeah. just hyping him up. <laughs> but we also see in his color palette Like his, his color palette changes to pink. I think every time he's like right around miles or is like anything like that. And it's just like, oh, you know, we see pink as like that, like happiness or different things. And it's like, we see that directly anytime he's with miles it changes to that specifically.
1: They didn't confirm this specifically because people don't have like the actual like film yet. And I don't think anyone said anything about it, but we talked about in the last one, right? The whole before when miles wasn't. In, into the Spider-Verse when he wasn't fully himself yet He was animated in 12 frames per second yeah, When everyone yeah. else was in 24 And then by the end he gets into that full fluid 24 frames per second They're saying that he's in Like force which is like 6 frames per second Or something like that and, but it's purposeful, right? He, like he doesn't want to fit in. He wants all. to be nonconforming and do his own thing and all of this other stuff. And because of just like that sly whatever attitude in the YouTube video we watched again, I kind of noticed where I hadn't noticed before. It just seems like he's always like kind of playing with something or doing something. He's, as he's talking, you know, when Miguel's doing the whole yeah. intro or whatever, he's slowly taking stuff things. from the things, which he then later <laughs> uses to build the watch that Gwen uses to be able to, to travel and have her own watch or everything, right? And so it's just like, he's such this sly character, and Daniel Kaluuya does such an incredible job, and mm-hmm. I, I love anything that he does, pretty much. And so I would definitely say Hobie as well would probably be my favorite. If I had to give, like, a, a secondary one, a silver medal, I do love how they use Miguel and Spider-Man 20. Oscar Isaac does an incredible job as dude, what a freaking all-star cast, not even just the people who they brought back, but the new additions. We'll talk more about, you know, Spider-Man 2099 and what he does. And so I would put him there, but bronze medal, or just like an honorable mention, because you have to throw him in there. Is it? Sorry, I'm gonna like mess it up now that it's. here is it Ben Riley? Is it what Riley? Is, <laughs> yeah, is it? Yeah, Ben. Andy
2: Samberg. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my mus my perfect perfect muscles. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and and he's just like,
3: I was just thinking about my trauma. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and Andy Samberg just like doing that like so seriously but hilariously at the same time was like one of those little. The first time I watched it, I listened to it, and I was like, "Oh, like I know who that is," but I didn't recognize it immediately. In the second that the movie was over. That was the first thing I looked up. Like a letterbox. Oh, like who is this? Andy Samberg goes like, duh, yes. <laughs> and then watching it the second
2: time, I was like, yes. But yeah, I don't I don't know much about Ben Riley, like at all. It's
3: he was telling me tragic. about tragic Ben Ben Riley's Scar- We gotta keep Scarlet Scarlet this fairly Spider. yeah. Fairly chill. <laughs> ben Riley's a comic book reader? Uh, I'm not as much of a comic book reader, but like just kind of random bits and pieces. Okay. If, Keeping up on the lore. I remember yeah, yeah, correctly okay. He is the cause of either Mary Jane or Gwen's death, just because of his innate radioactive self. There's there's more details that go specifically into it, but he is the cause of her death. He poisons her essentially, and is the cause of her death. If I'm remembering correctly, that it's that Spider Man that is.
2: Isn't um, he like a clone or something of Peter too? Yeah, yeah. On yeah. top of it, they it, mentioned yeah.
3: they mentioned that. In the see, this
2: is this is what I love the most about there's the multiverse. So much is, and this is gonna. Be this we don't have to go into this direction because there's a lot of spiders to talk about. But this is mm-hmm. what I love the most about what they're doing with their multiverse in this one is they are expanding and showing these characters like miles is the perfect example of this they introduced miles in a way that he is mainstream culture now to the point where they just announced a live action movie with miles coming up Mm. like this is how you do a multiverse you introduce new characters that are interesting maybe it's not going to get butts in the seats immediately but if you look at it from like a business standpoint how many of these characters they introduced in in this movie itself would you love to see a solo flick yeah like live action cartoon whatever I don't want to see more Michael Keaton. I've seen it already. But I want to see a Hobie Brown movie. I want to see a Gwen Stacy movie. I would actually like to see a, a Ben Riley movie. I think that would be hilarious to I watch want that.
1: to see the Donald Glover Prowler movie. Uh, <laughs> yes.
0: I, I, I mean, well, I don't even care if there's a Spider Man in it. I just want him. <laughs>
3: but, that's, but that's also one of the coolest things is like Donald Glover is the kind of the stepping off point for the creation of Miles Morales. For at least into the like s- movies and TV, right? Yeah, because he was like, around in the comics for a while, but he just never. I'm I'm trying to remember like what like that whole thing was. If because if the, I remember correctly, it was like 2010 with like Community when that whole thing came out, and it, there was like the big like uh like Donald Glover for Spider Man campaign or push. whatever that happened, and then like I, I don't remember the e- exact things, but I saw this thing on TikTok that was kind of you know going over. Everything that happened happened with Donald Glover and the creation of Miles Morales, at least, you know, more mainstream, or mm-hmm. if it was the actual creation of Miles Morales. Um, this is my one nitpick
2: of the movie, though, since we're going into the Glover stuff already. I kind of wish this movie would just do its own thing. I think the multiverse is getting a little too into itself, where even the Sony animated movies as a part of the Marvel universe somehow now, like to the point yeah. where they reference like, oh, that Doctor Strange and the 29999, you know? It's like, uh-huh. it's a fun it's a fun thing. But when they're jumping into the, like the Venomverse and then they jump over into Donald Glover, and I'm just kind of like, can't we just like contain this a little bit? Like let the Into the Spider-Verse be its own thing. Make the perfect trilogy and let's not be bogged down by all these other like live action things or consequences from other movies. I bumped up against that a little bit in the movie. I had a great time seeing um don glover as a prowler because they hinted that in the mm-hmm. marvel movie so mm-hmm. long ago i just don't know if this was like the place that i actually wanted to see it cameoed mm. i don't know i just bump I, up I, with the multiverse stuff a little bit lately where i'm just kind of like I'm, am i burnt out in the multiverse of a multiverse already before it really even started
1: And it makes sense, like, from that point of view. I was just thinking about it just, like, as that moment itself. Just like like a little mini Easter egg. And seeing how, like, flawlessly it was put in there. Because it felt so weird. Because, yeah, you're used to having one art style directly next to another art style with these movies. It's been happening since the beginning. But just having them be in the animated Nueva York 2099 Spider-Verse place and Donald Glover's sitting in a freaking cage dressed as the Prowler, and it just looked normal. Yeah, it looked fine. And I was like, what is happening right now? Like, how does this (laughs) look fine to me, or what's going on? It did kind of, like, feel itself too much looking at everything, and they had to do, like, they didn't do anything other than, like, just mentioning it. They didn't show any clips of Tom Holland, but they had clips of Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire and Mm -hmm. these different things. And so it was interesting to think about and go through. I... Kind of like all the little Easter eggs, but it does kind of make the future like a little bit questionable. They used it, in my opinion, just the right amount. If they
2: would have pushed it a little bit harder, I think it would have been been too far. It's just like, oh yeah, let's just mention it and move on. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, you're not, you're not like leaning into like the look at this thing. You have to come see this movie because this guy's in it for a minute, Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I feel like it sets. I feel like we set up the third and final movie of this trilogy to hopefully not leave the multiverse but it seems like there's obviously like a really direct conflict that's ready to be resolved and this movie was very easter eggy with so many spider-man and there still will be stuff like that in the third movie there has to be to make it you know a spider-verse movie Mm -hmm. but i feel like the story is very not like given to us, but it's like very direct where it needs to go. It's going to be character focused and everything with miles G Morales, I think is the name that they gave to the one that's the prowler Um, and how that's going to go. And so I feel like the spider verse and the multiverse will still be part of it, but I feel like it'll be a lot more character driven and, and focus on that. And so, I like the way they set it up. I like that they used it and did so many Easter eggs and like we were watching this YouTube video I talked about earlier just talking about all the Easter eggs and stuff like that. We eventually, because of time constraints, were like we got to skip some of this video and what we ended up skipping was we were about halfway through the the spider fight where all the spiders are the you know chasing single, him every and every single you know spider that's in it's like you can't there's so many references and they all have purpose like a diploma on a wall with someone's name is like what was it was it was Ditko or something one of the original creators or producers or something like that and so every single shot has purpose and everything it's just so deep it's almost a little overwhelming yeah like i saw a lot of people use the word overwhelming (laughs) overwhelming to talk about i think one of the top i have letterboxd right here with with my review with a couple things i was going to talk about but if i click on across the spider verse i'm pretty sure the top like liked review of it it's a five-star review but the person says one of the most overwhelming viewing experiences of my life compounded by my i'm not gonna read that part sorry i was like i should have read this before but uh, that is a word i've i've heard and some people say that it's like overwhelming good and i think that it is but i I can understand how it could be overwhelming like a little bit much for people but i loved it there's just so much different stuff to
2: it makes it so you can see the movie you can watch the movie in different ways Mm. like you watch the movie in the theater without a, a remote control that you can pause it you're gonna try i was trying so hard you know to look around and Catch see easter all the eggs. easter eggs mm-hmm. to see to try to read the little pop-up bubble butto- bubbles that come up yep. you know impossible without a, a controller deposit you know so you have your main experience where you can just watch it as this one cohesive fluid thing you know and, and enjoy the movie for what it is enjoy everyone's character arcs and then there's a whole nother way, way to watch this movie when it comes out on vod that you're going to be able to pause and Look read everything and like focus on these characters and see all these things that you never noticed before and it's just it's
1: so many little it, text it, things giving you context yeah. that you couldn't read every single time. So I think it is
2: overwhelming but like she said overwhelming in a or like you said overwhelming in a good way where I'm like I think I want all these those things there and just because I can't see it all taking it in a, in all of it up front doesn't mean I mean, it it just begs for repeat viewing, you know, over and over again. It gives you a reason to go back and kind of watch these things over and over again. Exactly.
1: There's so many different animation styles in this one, and we've kind of talked a lot about different Spider-Man, which ones we like in different universes. And I have to obviously touch again on Gwen Stacy's universe, Because it was my favorite both times they used it. This is one of the examples when I was talking about the non-spoiler review of them giving them even more creative liberty. right? Because we talked about seeing Spider-Gwen and other people in Miles' universe. But now we go all the way into Gwen Stacy's universe. This beautiful pastel watercolor universe (laughs) that's so highly affected by emotion. Like not not in any kind of metaphor, like an actual way. Like I'm not saying that like if you were actually there in the universe, this would happen. But in in portraying it to us, so much of it at first, I was like, wait, her hair is this color, her hair is this color, and it's just depending where she is, the lighting, and her emotions, how she feels. All of these moments are so incredible. I'm thinking of a few moments specifically in the first sequence from the first set of the movie when you know she goes into her room and she's all sad and it's dark. And her dad comes in and she gives him the hug and that burst of pink and from the dark blue that it was that just kind of lights up the whole room. And it makes you feel, oh my goodness, like that's crazy. When you see her the darker, when when after her father leaves to, you know, try and get her and everything like that. And it fades to the darker and her hair looks more green because she's back into that darker state. And then later on in the movie when she comes back and she talks to her father and they have that such emotional conversation and the world like disappears around them almost you catch little glimpses of it here but it just turns into these close-up shots and more abstract background done in the watercolors just to focus solely on the characters and you still catch the little glimpses that they're in this room but it just the movie gives itself to the scene in a way that you can't like hardly do. You can try in a live action with like CGI backgrounds and stuff to just be able to focus on characters and, or have them be in a super simplistic set. But this really gives itself to the art style of that world. And to these two characters having this moment, their face, their hair, everything changes the background, the water bleeds down in the watercolors. And that was actually the other moment that I forgot about when, when she first reveals herself to her dad in the first one and you see the watercolor start to bleed behind either one of them just kind of having the world collapse around them That's so cool there's like i said there's so many different art styles we can talk about in this one but spider-gwen's world literally had me i mean like emotional but like, it was incredible to be able to watch this and so i have a couple other animation things i want to talk about but are there other spider worlds or
3: even this one that you guys wanted to mention more about well i mean with i mean even with spider-gwen when she's in, like, Miles' world, you can also see her effect on on his world as well. When they're swinging through, you know, and they're, she, you know, he's kind of trying to show off or whatever. You know, she she's essentially just kind of affecting the world. You can see kind of the color coming off of her and how it's affecting Miles and all of these different times. Where it's like, you know, we, we know his universe and we kind of know how it, how it's perceived. But then as she swings through... You know, we get to see kind of that. There's like flashes and things yeah.
1: of pink and stuff as she
2: goes through it. Yeah, it's it's absolutely gorgeous. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, you have Gwen's that's so colorful and beautiful and emotional. And then you have the spot. And the spots universe is, starts out as just like this clumsy, you know, weird looking thing. But I love the way he degresses. From going from kind of, I mean, he's always black and white, but as he becomes more and more powerful and more and more evil, it starts, they start to draw it like a child would draw a monster. Like a chalk. Yeah. Like a slender man or something where it's just like squiggles and circles. And the frames are brought down and it's just very. And then it goes from like white and black to like a black and white, just inverse, just like horror, like a, a child's horror. Uh, a child's imagination of a horror story, you know, kind of being projected into this thing. I loved the way that looked. He's just like getting creepier and creepier as it goes on and chaotic and just like dark and eerie. And it's just, I, it's just the complete opposite of anything you see with Gwen. I love, I can't wait to see more of that kind of stuff. Cause that was so, it had the same effect that that Gwen stuff had on you emotionally, where it's just like, I started getting scared of this character that starts out so silly, so, funny, so yeah. bumbly, so just a joke. Of a villain of a week of the week, you know,
1: I mean Jason Schwartzman, right? Yeah yeah. (laughs) hilarious.
2: (laughs) And then by the end I'm legitimately scared of what this character is and what he's become and what he's gonna be able to do in the next one I think he's
3: I I can't wait
2: to see what they do with him in the follow-up. Yeah
3: no, and I think and I think like please cutting like when when we cut you know in the scene where he finally is able to kind of you know turn into that and we see that like cut of the future where it is just that pencil Drawing just minimal details. We see, you know, how's uh, Captain Singh and his dad and everything like that. And we just see that, you know, flash forward where it's, you know, every everything that's going to happen. And it's just terrifying because mm-hmm. we just, we don't know, you know, what's kind of going on the flashes in between the two universes. And then we see what happens in that next scene. And we're like, oh, so this is what's coming. Yeah.
1: There's so many little details. And I'm sure we'll, we'll keep on bringing up animation as the podcast goes because it's, it steals the show of this movie, right? There's so many good things about this movie that we're going to talk about that have to do with stuff other than the animation. But the animation is, is what sets this movie really apart from other animated movies and from other movies in general, because you can't do this in a live action movie. It has to be animated like CGI. You can try, but it's just a different level. And, their attention to detail with the animation is one of the things that gets me. So this isn't necessarily about a world, but just detail with the animation that they do when they are on the train that goes miles into heaven or wherever that train is going, because it's on there. They're all there for forever. I don't know where these people live. I don't know what they're doing, but they're on that train for the log haul up to wherever. When they're on that train, they the train passes through these rings. As, as it's ascending to wherever it's going. And I called them the animation rings because I didn't know what else to call them. The attention, the detail in this movie is so crazy that while you have all of these different Spider-Men who are in the different Spider-Verses and they're still in their own animation style, but within Miguel O'Hara's Nueva York world, there that's already enough as it is, right? That's crazy, But as this train is going by and as they pass each one of these rings, you know, you could think it would act as like a shadow whenever that ring passes over for a few like for like a frame or two or something like that. The animation of all these characters like swap briefly every single time one of these rings passes, which is why I called it like an animation ring is that they're there and you can see it and it's like it's not even just like showing it hey to be cool because like i said it's only a couple frames that it happens each time but it happens multiple times where you see the characters and they change and they have different faces and it shows we saw in one of the videos we watched because it broke down frame by frame when the when spider-man 2099 goes to chase him at one point and we talked a lot about he how he's kind of He's a little bit more on the technological side and not as much the webs. He's very much like kind of slashing and cutting into things like that. And he's chasing him. And in, th- and in three frames, it's the regular him. And then one of those animation rings passes. And then it's like a yellow version of him. And then it's an orange version of him. And each one of those was like a different suit from like the comics and stuff like that. Oh, wow. But just in frames as it's going past. And it is absolutely crazy. The attention to detail that happens just in those quick moments. And it happens with all the spider like Stuff like that happens. And maybe not all of them might be as detailed as that where it's a different suit every single time it goes past. But that's just mind-blowing. The amount of effort and the amount of time that they took to put into something as little as a couple frames that you won't see unless it's cut down shot by shot. Mm -hmm. But you just see that something is different happening as they're going by. And it's just so mind-blowing. And I am, like you said, ready for a... A, 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 a four-hour session of me watching this movie because I'm
3: pausing it and looking at all of the different details that happen as it goes along. I think with, with kind of that, my favorite like, thing that I saw someone analyze frame by frame is during that fight, uh, Miguel you know, calls him an anomaly and he glitches immediately afterwards. People went through and paused that glitch and in the glitch, he switches back to, uh, uh, into the Spider-Verse, his like, suit with the eyes cut out, and like the really bag, like the really baggy kind of like sweatshirty, the sweatshirt, yeah. Where it's it's that inconsistency where you know he's being called out for, you know, not being a Spider Man, you know, just being called an anomaly that he doesn't that he doesn't deserve the power, or whatever it was, but that he temporarily switches into that mindset. But that's what the glitch shows is that doubt kind of thing. And it was oh, it's just so cool. I want
2: to get to some of these characters and their emotional arcs because yes. like speaking of his dad's party and stuff, I want to talk about his parents really, really bad. And oh, I don't know yeah. if we want to get right to them or if you guys want to get to actual Miles because we haven't talked to Miles like about Miles at all. I was parents first. But I love. Don't I call love them it. by their first names. They hate it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <They'll do it. laughs> like you learn to fall in love with Miles' dad um, in the first one like immediately. But Rio in this movie, his mom is one of my favorite characters in the movie as well. Um, I spent two years living in Puerto Rico. I love that culture and just this party that they're hanging out in. Just like I've been to parties like that down on the island and I missed it so much. And it was very, speaking of the nostalgia thing, just sent me back to living back on that island and that, like, like living with those people where family is so important. And like, not only is your real immediate family, um, like That's not your only family, your friends, mm-hmm. your community, you're all family that and you is. all come together and you support each other.
1: I mean, uh, if you take the Spider-Man and put him aside, I think Rio might be my favorite other character She was in so this good. movie. There was so much to do with her and her relationship with Miles and just the relationship of a mother, right? Having to watch their child grow up and she's like, I'm just so used to you being my little boy. I'm not used to you you know, being the little man all the time now and i'm just so used to taking care of you and you needing me all the time and so just their dynamic throughout the whole movie this one and then even in the in the alternate universe where she's there and stuff i love rio's contribution to this movie and how she talks and how she understands miles and she lets him go and so then later she has to explain her husband she's like yeah well i kind of grounded (laughs) him and you know just uh, trust me like you'll see everything that happens but little fun easter egg for you that Neither of us noticed until we watched YouTube with the little Easter eggs. You know how she's like Hannah B in Spanish, and she's like Miles. meet it. it's Puerto Puerto Rican flag Yeah, you yeah. S- did you yeah. see it when it actually uh-huh. happened? See, we I just saw the snap, <laughs> and I thought it was just like oh, a yeah. little Southie, but it was like the Puerto Rican flag. I was like, so, oh my gosh, that's little so touches dope.
2: like that. Like, and she also she also uses Spanglish in it. Um, uh-huh. I can't. That's remember. So good. Uh, I can't remember what phrase she uses, but that they use Spanglish all the time down there, you know. So she calls out Miles for using Spanglish and he does the mm. same thing to her, but like that's really how they talk in that <laughs> culture. Like like que cool is one of the like <laughs> que cool. It's a very normal thing to say down there. Ah, que cool, you know. Que, que cool. <laughs> <laughs> they used to always say down there, um, Puerto Rico is the best of both worlds. Both uh, the Latin culture and the American culture mixed into one island and they're a hundred percent right. You know how to party, but they got all the benefits of the U.S. It's freaking awesome. Um, I really liked having Peter B. Parker back. I love seeing that he turned his life around, and I love seeing that he followed through and had that kid. And it's a little bit heartbreaking that he wants that kid to connect so much with Miles. You know, he's just like, I want you to hold the baby, please. <laughs> My baby. It'll change everything. Just hold You'll the know. baby. <laughs> and he's trying so hard to find that connection again with Miles when you know, he knows he did something wrong, and he's lying to him. But he's just trying everything he can to to win Miles's trust back, and to, you know, win this trust of the his almost adopted kid. You know, this kid that he's like fallen in love with. <laughs> yeah.
3: And I and I I don't know if, if we're going to talk about this later, but just that you know those different aspects, especially of Peter B. Parker, kind of changing his own canon event in a, in a way. But it not having his universe collapse in him on himself. And I have seen some th- you know, a whole bunch of theories and things online of like, you know, why his canon event changed, why Gwen Stacy's canon event could have changed. Was his canon event uh the divorce? Just yeah, just his loss of of you know her and you know, not being able to have a family. But but I think okay. more powerfully, specifically Gwen, Gwen Stacy's event of her father quitting rather than, you know, you know, being a captain and being killed, you know, he quits and so She's able to avoid that canon event and And not have, I don't know what they, not an incursion. That's another multiverse, (laughs) but, but how it's, you know, those canon events are avoided, but there's not that collapse that happens.
1: I actually have like a little Twitter thread that I read a lot about kind of this idea behind what not what's exactly going to happen in the third one but kind of what's happening in this one and how we can look at it as its own story and it's basically talking about how miles morales in this movie kind of proved to be the ultimate spider-man because he literally had thousands of spider man chasing him and he was able to beat and outwit them right and he's the one who's trying to change these quote canon mm-hmm. events right and it's like it, it's so weird because you think about the spider-man and like they're always not always but they're always a lot of the times like they're really good people and they're always trying to do the best and this idea that some of these canon events letting certain people die all this stuff has to play out it's it's an ethical crossroads and so you think about it in that sense, and it's like, you know, Spider-Man's always talking about that and something that Miles says multiple times, you know, Spider-Man always has a choice or can always do both or something like that. It seems really weird that all of a sudden a lot of these spider man and everything have just come to this acceptance of these canon events have to occur. These people have to die and everything to keep our multiverse intact. And it makes sense because you look at it from Miguel's point of view, he tried to do the same. Tons of people died. And so he's just trying to do what he thinks has to be done. But at the same time, there's, there's that part of you that says, what if though? What if we could really save more? What if we could do a ton? So this Twitter thread, I won't mention everyone. The original tweet, if you want to look it up, is by Poyos underscore Hernandez, And then there's a Twitter thread that goes underneath it. And people talk about this. They said, in this movie, because it says he's the ultimate Spider-Man when he beat all of the other Spider-Men in that chase. In this movie, he was the ultimate Spider-Man. He was the only one acting like a Spider-Man, which I actually have an issue with because a lot of the variants should have had his back. And then next person. I feel like Miguel purposely recruited spider people and i'm not saying this is all true this is just like people's point of view on twitter mind you i think i feel like miguel purposely recruited spider people who have already gone through so much that it was easier for them to accept the rules of the canon with Pavtier being the youngest and most impressionable one not next thread next person not hobie though he had his own reasons to join the suspire society and quit when he saw everyone wanted to go after miles so it's really interesting to have like this society that was built by miguel o'hara and everything that's going along with it and then kind of thinking about yes this is the the spider verse and the society that's been created to keep the canon and everything in line but there are some unethical and just kind of things that don't ever sit right with you with it miles is going to have to fight it he's going to have to fight his own alter self in earth 42 and then Gwen is putting together her team to kind of fight back against the Spire Society in Beyond the Spider Verse and get Miles back. There's just so much that kind of is going into this that I feel like I can see ish the vague directions of the next movie, but I don't know where it's going. And I'm excited for that, if that makes sense. And I'm not trying to like push to like what's gonna happen in the next one, but just uh, the implications that this has on this trilogy and what the story is going is so beyond. Because people, I've seen some people say that they use animation and the beauty as a crutch. And like, if it wasn't like such a beautifully animated movie, like that the story would fall flat. And I'm like, I just don't yeah. think that's true <laughs> at <laughs> all. I've seen people say that. And I'm just like, <laughs> I I think you're wrong. Just straight up. Like it has the plot. It has the music. It has the animation. Like what <laughs> else do you want? So
2: sorry. I've talked a lot. No, I can, but I can I definitely that. see that. Like yeah. Miguel doing that he had he had the situation where he watched the whole world fall apart you know he's a he's a compelling antagonist because he experienced that and from his perspective
0: he this wants has to, to happen. he
2: wants to make that make sure that never happens again i mean he didn't just lose a whole universe he lost his universe he lost his family twice you know mm-hmm. um i can see him going and finding i mean he you could see he was specifically did not want miles around because he was this anomaly that he blamed. I can see him surrounding himself by more or less yes men that agree with him that will help
3: him further his cause. So this will never happen yeah. again. I think that's a very apt perspective of the movie. And and I think that that's, that's one of the biggest things is M- Miguel realized that he was the downfall of everything because the reason why, you know, his second universe collapsed is because everything he did was against you know the canon of that universe, and he wasn't from that universe. Mm-hmm. At least as far as I've seen, the canon events being disrupted can only be caused by someone outside of your own universe. So mm-hmm. if so, for example, Miles you know saving mm-hmm. Captain Singh, the canon event was disrupted because he wasn't from that universe. You know, uh, but the fact that you know Gwen was the reason that her father <sighs> quit, that was her universe. It, you know, so the canon event wasn't disrupted, but Mm. so like, you know, and, you know, Peter B. Parker, he was able to change, you know, not because Miles came in and gave some speech to, to, uh, to Mary Jane, MJ, MJ, but it was because, you know, he, he had talked to Peter Parker and he went and changed it himself. That's a He changed his own story. Yeah. I can Mm. see that playing very heavily into the next ones and how to stop the can. And
2: yeah.
1: like, if you go in and you put it.
2: your finger inside someone else's cannon, you're going to break it. But if you fix your own cannon, yeah, then that can be,
1: that's a cool. Everyone thing. reaching yeah. through
2: spots. And-
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so much. So they can connect and the multiverse and fixing your own cannon and everything like that. The
3: multiversal bagel.
1: Um, <laughs> I
2: have to, I have to say how cool it is. And I did not see it coming at all. The way that miles gets his powers. Um, that the the spider 42 is that actually kind of first another. twist from this. Yeah. Movie. That, that twist really mm-hmm. got me and made it so much more interesting. One of the hardest things that I have with superheroes is when they create basically a, a clone of a superhero and just say, you know, it's this, he's a different person, but he's got the exact same powers, you know, so I have always had a hard time of being like, there's two Spider-Men in one universe. Like how coincidental is that two radioactive spiders got created and two radioactive spiders bit people and those, both those two people decided, you know, it's just a little bit reachy for me, that concept. But the concept of, oh, no this spider wasn't even supposed to be in this universe. It crossed through. And this is the reason why there's two spider Verses. there's two Spider-Men in this universe. It wasn't because they made the mistake twice just so we could have two Spider-Men like this tied into the entire overarching story, expanding story of just like this spider got pulled through. It bit someone that it wasn't supposed to still found the same person that it probably would have found in that universe. But because it got pulled here, we had two Spider-Mans in this world and now there are no Spider-Men in this other world. And it, just sent this other world to hell you know and it's like it's uh, our world it's like escape from new york in this in this (laughs) one you know it's burning it's yeah it's, it's it's our world exactly and the consequences that it has on miles himself where this you know i would love to have seen what this other variant what did you call him miles g I was, Morales, G. Morales I yeah. think. So how Earth he would have turned
3: out. Earth 42 miles, yeah.
2: Yeah, how he would have turned out if he would have gotten bitten, like if he would have been on the straight and narrow after that or if this inciting event, you know, just it changed an entire universe. It's such a cool idea to tie it all in together and that's what I love this most about this movie is it took this really perfect story and just found ways to tweak it without like it feeling like, what do you call it when, I, I forgot the word, when you change... Um, um lore um yeah i just forgot the term anyway when uh. well, comics do it a lot when you go in and retcon like, oh okay like yeah. they retconned a story but i don't think that they retconned it i think this was the plan from the get-go you know like mm-hmm. i mean just that spider itself even in the first one had the vibes of that world that they
3: created in this and, and, universe. and it was like it was glitching and everything just like you know you do when you're out of your own universe there's yeah, so yeah. much foreshadowing there was also you know when there you know the number 42 showed up multiple times into into the Sparkiverse. You know, he slams into a sign, knocks down some stuff, and he's, like, surrounded by the number 42. His jersey is the number 42. Like, there's foreshadowing all over the place that this was, Yeah. This is the plan and,
1: and like you talked about That it seems like they could have just been like oh look This is it but so much ends up Making sense a little bit from the first One but definitely from the second one when Miguel ends up dropping this truth Bomb on him like you weren't supposed to be a Spider-man that's why Gwen's been so Evasive that's why she hasn't visited you that's Why everyone was so kind of questionable that's why Everyone came to you in the first place in the first One and stuff like that because this wasn't Supposed to happen and you almost Like question yourself for a second Like I, I love miles like but <laughs> if that wasn't supposed to happen like do we got to set the world right he's not supposed to be spider-man and everything like that and then you know he beats all the spider-man and chase and we're like go miles on. let's go <laughs> <laughs> you got this that's my boy right there <laughs> and so there's just so that's why that's why like i said i don't i feel like the animation does star and for me is the best part of this movie but it doesn't fall short in the other yeah. areas that are important especially plot wise okay Twist at the end. Obviously, Miles. So they do the 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 silence of the lambs thing, right? Where they show two places and they make you think it, it's simultaneous when Gwen Stacy shows up to his apartment and he shows up to his apartment with his mom there and everything like that. And then it reveals that it's actually two separate locations. In this case, two separate universes.
2: Before you go into it, at what point did you guys realize this wasn't Miles in Miles's universe?
1: So, I go ahead.
0: first, I, I didn't.
3: I didn't realize until until they actually said it. Like Uncle Aaron walks through, and you're just well. Or like, he, oh, well, he, says himself because like I started. That, right? I started kind of being like, okay, Gwen's looking in this window, but we're not seeing Gwen in the window. What's going on? Odd. Uh, but then, but then also, like I, I got vibes. I got vibes. Something was off, but I didn't realize until like Gwen's like spider sense hit and his spider sense, and I was like. But, but that first, like, clue where she says, why'd you change, like, what'd you do to your hair? hmm That was like, what? Yeah. So, what?
1: I guess, like, I didn't really, like, get the full, oh, they're in different universe until it was kind of a little bit later, like, probably right before Miles said it. But my first time, and I think, like, they talked about the animation maybe should have, because even though it was raining... It's different. It's different. It's It's this green and red, and the vibes are very different from Earth 1610, right? But my first clue was he gets to his apartment, he comes in the window, he goes to talk to Rio. Rio's eyes are green in this universe where they're brown in the other one and it's not like a super crazy because it's kind of like a green brown almost but i want in the youtube video we watched because i wanted to confirm and the second time i watched i looked to make sure because the first time i watched it that was the first thing she walks in she's talking to him and i was like her eyes are different like she looks different this isn't the same and so i wasn't just like immediately like oh i was just like "Eh, maybe i saw something wrong or whatnot and stuff like that but that was like my first so that was kind of I guess the moment that I was like something's up and then more and more stuff happened to be like oh something's happening <laughs> Like, and even though this movie was long I didn't feel like it was that long I still kind of knew I was like we gotta be getting kind of close to the end but stuff isn't resolved and I, I knew that the the sequel was coming, but I didn't know it was gonna be so cliffhangery. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, there's got to be stuff that's gonna happen fast like something's got to be going on. What about you? Uh, I'm right
2: there with you guys. I don't think I fully like went. Oh, this is a different universe until The hair she calls him out on the hair where I was like, oh, of course But I remember <clears throat> when he drops into that universe and it's raining. I remember like specifically thinking Well, oh, this animation style is cool, you know and I didn't put it together as like, oh, he's in different. a different universe. I yeah. was just like, oh, something looks different here. Like, this is pretty. Nice. This is pretty cool looking. I haven't seen this yet, you know. And I just kind of, I just kind of assumed it was nighttime in norm in Miles's normal universe, and it's reflecting the raining that's going on in Gwen's world. So I'm just like, oh, and it's dark, and we're ending on this like dramatic, sad note, you know. So I'm just like, oh, oh, it's just they're doing the different animation here because of thematic reasons mm-hmm. not universal reasons and i felt so stupid that i didn't put that together I until, have- yeah the hair moment where i was just like i knew something was going on here you know it was such an effective twist that twist right there of just like the world hinting towards it was more effective to me than the 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 reveal of miles being the other prowler once i knew miles was in the other universe i immediately knew oh yeah okay miles is a Miles is the other prowler. It, like took immediately.
1: Me, it took me like a little bit to be like, oh, Miles is here. Oh shoot. Like something's going on, but I didn't know like he's going to be the prowler until like a little bit later mm-hmm. for me. But also one of the biggest hints wasn't even like tiny. It was huge. When he scans his DNA, there is a screen yeah. that's almost the full screen that says Earth forty two right there. it's on the it screen for like a it, second.
3: Shoots him out, and we're like, and and you, I didn't see it, but like the second time I watched it, it's I was like, like Earth oh, underscore
1: 0042. It, like it's just 42. 42. Huh. Like there on the screen, and then it cuts away to, because it's an intense scene, so you're just like, oh, he scanned it, and it got the thing, whatever, blah 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 blah. But it was just like straight up right Earth forty two on the screen. Oh, cool. There's so many little hints that they do, and one of the things that I noticed on my second rewatch, this was from a youtube video or anything i noticed it was when he's in there and he's talking with his mom on the scenes where you can see miles and it has the window in the background on the side his room's kind of a little bit messier in earth 42 there's a there's a thing pinned up to his desk that's like a blueprint like the actual blueprint right with the blue and the white chalk and whatnot of it's like small but it's like of the prowler gloves, the gloves and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. So there's just, li- and I'm sure there's so much more that we haven't even noticed that they just drop little things yeah. here and there to be like, you're so stupid. You should <laughs> <Yes>. notice. <laughs> <laughs> All the way to get there.
2: Um, There's one frame there that I have to call out too, because it's so cool. It's one of my favorite frames. Like it's one of those moments, right in my mind, like that's going to be in my head forever. When, uh, Uncle Aaron punches the punching oh bag. Gosh, and it's just like an explosion. Scott
3: I I I straight up I went like I, I in the yes. theater. I was he's like he's dead. Cuz <laughs> cuz it's that cuz it's that explosion out the back of the of the frame and it's like, you know, it's the color and everything of, you know, the comic being like basically shattered. And you're like he just <laughs> he just I him. thought this was PG. I was like <laughs> Yo, he did. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know swinging around and he's there and you're just like,
2: oh yeah, scary, effective, visually pleasing like what a what an introduction to this new version of this world. like oh, yeah. so it's great. Mm. It's a great cliffhanger.
3: but but also the callback you know that they kind of do at the end there with, um, you know with miles being tied up to the to the punching bag back to into the spider verse of Peter B. Parker. When Miles ties him up to the punching bag and he's like, you know, asking him all this stuff and, you know, we kind of got the hint where, you know, he like rubs his finger and it's like a little shock. There's, uh, you know, there's that scene where Peter B. Parker just drops out of the chains and he's like, you know, watch, you know, watch the hands or whatever, where he just is able to release himself. And I think, you know, that kind of gives us a little bit of a notion of like how he could potentially escape is, is back to the first one? Is it a call back to that first one where he's tied to that punching bag? We're piecing it together. <laughs> what, what does
1: Peter keep saying? He's like, I, I am a pretty good mentor. I did teach him. That. Yeah. <laughs> well, there was like so many you moments. Stuff? Uh, one of the ones that we saw was there was the moment where because yeah, Peter's asking different people during the whole Peter B Parker's asking people during the chase about like being a good mentor or not and everything like that and then he takes everyone up into the sky and then he falls down and jumps away to escape and it's also a callback to the first one when uh, Peter B Parker did something similar to also like escape I don't remember the exact
3: well it's it's partially just the, the his drop into uh, the particle reactor oh yes as yes, yes, well yes. as as well as I think the big one that he's mentioning there is his, uh, when he turns invisible. Yes. on his drop because he drops and he turns invisible and he's like i taught him how to do that because like you know he was he was like the mentor and the whole thing and, and, and like teaching him honestly probably is one of his most powerful skills oh being invisible what the heck because like his it comes his, into play so many times his venom, like his venom blast and everything was was super awesome but like turning invisible is you know top tier that's the next level it's and that's like something a, that someone like spider-man can
1: use in so many situations oh yeah and it's not something that's like normal among Spider-Man, usually it's definitely something very not like unique to just him, but like very unique for Miles Morales' this version of Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So super interesting. I hate to like go back because I, I hate backtracking. But when you guys were talking about that, I thought about something else I had wanted to mention, but never ended up writing down. When we talk about technical animation styles and stuff like that, one of the one of the best parts from the first movie is when he, you know, does that jump and he's upside down in the night version and what's up Dange you know, and there's that moment where he breaks away from the glass that people talk about. There were multiple moments in multiple universes where you see that same type of thing in their own styles. In cool. this movie, I noticed and it one was, of them. There was—I'm trying to remember all I think of them. One was I, on
2: that train that you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
1: there's different things like that, but there's just so many little moments where that exact thing happens, and they don't make a big deal out of it. But it's just there, and it's just another technical okay. little thing that's just great. I'm gonna make
2: you do it. I know you said earlier no. you don't want to. You gotta choose the first one or this one. Cool. Which one? Which one do you like better? I, uh, I'm gonna make you do
1: it. The movie's been out for not even two weeks, so recency bias is a thing. I'm going to say this one. I just think that they gave them the creative freedom to take that first one and take everything that made it good to the next level, and I think they killed it. I'm going to say Across the Spider-Verse.
3: I also am going to say Across the Spider-Verse just... I mean, maybe I need to go watch uh, Into the Spider-Verse again and just be rewowed. But yeah, no. I mean, it, it sets it up beautifully. It, it takes everything that it had and just amplifies it to another level.
1: And I love a good cliffhanger. Like uh, so many people are complaining, they're like, this should have been more clear and let us know and stuff." And it's like, I love. When's the last time you had a really good? Like cliffhanger, I feel like Infinity, Infinity War was War. pretty good. Like, and people liked that, and then the payoff that was eventually Endgame, you know, ended up being one of the best MCU movies. And you don't really get a lot of those these days. And so that cliffhanger and getting us so pumped for more Spider Verse. Hopefully next year, I've seen some kind of questionable details about oh, whether man. that'll actually. It's it's scheduled for like August, it's, right? It's scheduled for March. In March. Uh, oh, May. May. I think. I think it's March. It's scheduled for March of next year, but I've heard questionable stuff. A lot of the cast, I mean, they could just be throwing people off purposely, but a lot of the cast has said they haven't done hardly any voice work Hmm. for stuff. Which, here's the thing I feel like they had to have done because these movies releasing so close to each other, so much of it has to already be animated, Mm -hmm. number one. So I feel like a lot of the voice work maybe also already has to have had happen and they just have to kind of be quiet about it or something. I don't know. I'm hoping that March dates hit, but a lot of people are talking about how it might not. And even though that would bum me out severely because I want the finale and I want it to be as good as these other ones have been. If they need more time, take it. You took yeah. five years to me- oh if this is what we get. If you need five years, yeah, that's going to be a painful five years, but if it pays off like this one did, take ten. Yeah. (laughs) Do what you need. Like, I will be there on opening night in IMAX to see it. Yep, That's That's also my one, uh, not critique, but like sad part when I watched the movie the second time, because I ended up not seeing it IMAX because it was out of theaters, and so I just went to one a little bit closer to me that didn't have any IMAX screenings and saw it in a regular one. It was good, but I definitely could notice the difference, and it just kind of made me sad. I was like, I know. I'm, I'm, I'll never see this in IMAX again. Probably. I literally did the
2: exact same thing. Dang it. I <laughs> saw it in IMAX the yeah. first time and then I saw it again a couple nights ago and the sound just wasn't as strong and it's just not the same experience. still great movie, but it's not the same experience as seeing something in IMAX. Same I am shill for IMAX now. I cannot. There's no better way to see a movie. You have to. You, <laughs> no, have you have to.
1: to. <laughs> if I moved even further away, that that Come the movie theater it. close to us here if i was like an hour away i would do it yeah i would drive for mm. Oppenheimer for whatever whatever's playing there exactly transformers yeah <laughs> well uh, <laughs> i'm going
2: to i'm going to say there's no wrong answer here oh. but i think i prefer the first one i think i'm the, still an into the spider-man fan um i just can't believe how perfect that movie is like i agree with everything you guys are saying this this across across expanded on something that was perfect in a way that I did not think was possible able to top, you know, and I did not see them topping it in this way. And it's the animation just like one ups. We've just, we've spent an hour and a half talking about how incredible it looks, but I do love the fact that the first one is such a perfectly efficient contained story that doesn't, that has a beginning and an end, and everything is just so perfectly satisfying. It's funny. It looks amazing. It's just—it's a perfect experience contained in itself. You know, it's the first experience with it this can type stand of movie. Along. Can stand by itself. Yeah. I loved all the characters, and I think if I'm going to go back and rewatch these movies, that's going to be the one that I'm going to rewatch over and over again. The second one, I absolutely loved. It's awesome what they did with it. The first one's going to be one I rewatch over and over again. And it's got more Peter Re Parker in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Perfect.
3: Any final thoughts, Scott? Uh, I just love Spider Man. In case you couldn't tell, uh, big Spider Man fan. So I, I've been super psyched for this movie to come out for a while. Just get more, get more. You know, into all of the different you know Spider Man comics and you know just random references and you know even just like getting a tiny little you know spider plush thrown at his head you know just you know funny little things like that just I'm the th- guy you
1: hit me with a bagel
3: yeah just hit, hitting like him with a bagel you know the
1: t-whip from the t-rex well,
3: just <laughs> all of the little the <laughs> tiny the tiny little jokes I, I know we already mentioned it but like I definitely am going to go back through and pause you know as they were going through all of the jokes about spot you know as they just first came to the spider society just so many tiny little jokes and funny things and just you know so clever, great man. things yeah
1: well, like uh, jokes they just brought back during it. Like uh, uh, Miles talking to Spot being like, why are you calling it ATM machine? The M stands for machine. And then later on when A he's in and he's like, Chai-T, why are you calling it Chai-T? You're calling it TT. Like <laughs> yeah. just, uh, sorry. There's too much that. Yeah, there's so too good. much to talk about in <laughs> this movie. Vince, anything? No, I got nothing. You got yourself? I got it all out. Across the Spider-Verse is definitely what we needed for the Spider-Verse and for animation movies in general. Into the Vi- into the Spider-Verse already pushed this type... It, it, it brought this type of animation, this style of movie into the spotlight and across the Spider-Verse took it to the next level and other films are trying to follow suit. Obviously, like we talked about in our fast-forward episode... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Ninja, uh, Mutant Mayhem is coming out later this summer in August. And while there's a lot of differences, it kind of follows this style of being kind of the old animation has its own things. Very comic booky, very self-aware of what it's doing with its animation. Not trying to be hyper-realistic or anything like that. Just making what makes the movie good. And other movies are following suit and I'm just a huge fan of it. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is going to be one of... The best, I, I think. There's no way this movie doesn't end up in my top three for the year. It's an Oscar now, Oscar. I think it wins animated feature film. Okay. Easy. Good. Anything else? Questionable because you know how the it can be sometimes. But I think if there's a movie to do it, the first one I don't think got recognized for anything other than best feature film. It won, I believe, but I don't think it got any other nominations for anything else. Who knows though? There's stuff that could happen as we get into the end of the, the things year. Things as going against it. Spider-Man movie, animated movie. The things that the The Academy hates. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see what happens once we get to that season. I am excited to see how it shakes out. If there does end up being any kind of push for something like that, you know, I'll love it. I'll support it. I'll be behind it. And like I said, once we get to the end of the year, so far this year, because I like, Kind of keep my list on Letterbox. I keep it on private, so no one can see. But I, I'm updating it through the year now. As I watch a movie, I kind of put it on my list to rank it. And then when we get to the end of the year for our top 10 episode movies of the year, no spoilers on the rest of my list, but this one's the number one right now. It's the best movie that's come out this year, in my opinion. Is there anything that you think no, would I be think, better?
2: I think I'm right there with you. There's just I can't think of anything else.
1: Like Guardians is good. I like it, and it's definitely up there, and there's some other things that are up there. But this, is, I think, is my first five-star it, and not even questionable it's my first five star mm-hmm. movie of the year on letterbox so we'll see if any of the other summer movies can top it we'll see if any oscar movies that come out see later see this year can top it transformers
2: does there's too much <laughs> going
1: on <laughs> thanks so much again for tuning into this episode of the Pause wine play podcast if you did not enjoy we would really appreciate if you could hit the like button subscribe because we love talking about this and we love talking about it with you, leave a comment down below to let us know if you like this one better or the original or if there's anything that you'd like us to watch because we love taking requests from the audience. Thanks again for tuning in. I will catch you next time.